0: Well, welcome back to The Bill Bennett Show. It's the podcast that takes a deeper look at the current administration, helping you translate Trump and understand Trump and interpret President Trump. On the show today, we have the always thoughtful and always entertaining and always expanding your vocabulary, our guest, Conrad Black. We'll talk about an article he wrote highlighting how all the anti-Trump efforts are backfiring. Also today, Joel Farkas, director of the American Strategy Group, is back on. Today, we're going to focus on Orange County, illegal immigration, global cities and local cities, and our continuing discussion about how some of the elites are recommending actions that would destroy the American way of life as we know it. But first, I have a couple things on my mind in regard to both of our guests' topics. Orange County, California, you've heard of it. They call it the Orange Curtain out there. It's, uh separates conservative California from the rest of California. <laughs> and uh, they uh, said to the state, uh, sauce for the goose, sauce for the gander. The state of California, as you know, has declared itself a sanctuary state by virtue of the governor's actions. I guess I, the legislature, feel that way too, but a lot of people don't. Certainly not the people in Orange County. And they have said, uh, we're, we're not going along with this. We're going to, for example, uh, tell federal officials when these illegals uh, that we've arrested and put in local jails, when they're getting out. So uh, the feds can uh, apprehend them if appropriate. And uh, they have thereby uh, said that they're breaking with uh, what the Attorney General of California and what the Governor of California want to do. Good for Orange County. Now this thing is, of course, going to be resolved in the courts but as you'll see when when we're talking uh, to Joel, particularly, this uh, really is about a schism in American life between—I don't know if I want to say liberals and conservatives, more elites and some liberals, uh, in the rest of the country. Uh, about the status of uh, immigrants and immigration. And as I uh, will discuss with Joel, and you'll, you'll hear, immigration now, and this has been a theme the last couple of podcasts, is, um, is the dominant belief, the dominant creed in the, in the democratic uh, corpus of beliefs. Uh, it seems to trump, excuse it, using that as a verb, everything else. To be a sanctuary state, to be a sanctuary city, uh, you just override everything else. Law and order, certainly, the rule of law, federal law, Constitution. It's quite uh, extraordinary to me. We'll see how this thing works out, but a battle is brewing. I, th- I don't see how the president and um, Americans who are not part of this elitist liberal attitude can lose this. I don't. its They've got the Constitution on their side, and they have common sense on their side. If you've got a country, you need to have borders, and you need to have rules for when you become a citizen of this country. Claude, is there anything Objectionable about that, to your mind? I mean, it, this seems to me very basic stuff.
1: Yeah, no, nothing objectionable. Um, you, like you said, when it comes to having a country, you have borders, you have laws, you have rules, uh, and you know there ought to be consequences for um, for not following those rules. Uh, and um, I don't think that those who want the laws to be followed and adhered to are heartless and and don't like people or don't like immigrants, you know, uh, um, the way that they're often uh, characterized. We're a nation of laws and those laws have to be followed. There are some things that can be amended and adjusted um, with the times, but, uh, at the end of the day, without the laws, you know who are we? what are we without without laws? and without borders, we're not a right. country exactly. we're not you know sovereignty
0: is is important so i it, it, it's fascinating to me whatever you know the courts decide this is a really a debate about national identity, and I wonder if in their heart of hearts, some of these elitists really just want to attack the basic idea of America and the American identity, uh, which of course is from the very beginning a melting pot mm-hmm. e pluribus unum out of many one we believe in immigration we believe in legal immigration but um, there's something you know some fundamental schism here uh and we'll uh, we'll continue to talk about this it's just fascinating to me how uh the immigration argument trumps uh the feminists uh why you say that because they've been held back some on um, investigations into human trafficking uh of women uh, for, you know, prostitution and other things because immigrant groups feel it goes against what they want and what they believe and their, their practices. We see how it tramples on the environment. Uh, we talked about that last week. We'll talk about that again a little bit today, I think. And um, unions, I mean, goodness gracious, they're rolled over by, you know, waves of illegal workers. you remember, Claude, that Mark Kroian told us that, you know, when we were way back in the first uh, wave of immigration legislation and they wanted to... Uh, there was an effort on the left to to say that the rules governing immigration uh, re- registration or employer registration uh, you know, should be waived that uh, you didn't uh, to require, you know, E-Verify or the version of E-Verify we had then. And uh, which would let, you know, all sorts of illegals get all sorts of jobs. It was opposed by
1: Coretta Scott King. I do remember that. And if uh, anyone wants to hear that, they can go back and listen to that podcast, uh, BillBennettShow.com.
0: And uh, you're not going to get that kind of opposition today. The Congressional Black Caucus seems powerless against the illegal immigration lobby. It's an extraordinary moment. And... Um, we'll continue to ponder it and love your thoughts on it. Okay. Uh let's uh, we explore this and I should say a word about the Conrad Black interview it speaks for itself. I can't improve on what Conrad is saying. The attempt to take down Donald Trump is what that that's all about. We go from collusion to obstruction of justice to mental unfitness, physical unfitness, temperamental unfitness. Now the women and uh it's uh Whatever they can get them on. They just they just want them out. They'll do whatever, and there's more coming. We can be sure of that. We can be sure of that. You're listening to the Bill, show. the Bill Bennett Show. Joining us now is Conrad Black. He's a historian. He's an author. He's the founder of the National Post, and he's a non-affiliated member of the House of Lords. Conrad, always good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Bill. Great piece, The Anti-Trump Effort Backfires, National Review. Uh, Let me jump in here, and I'm always impressed by your vocabulary range and depth. I won't match you there, but I will try a few literary quotations, which I fashion myself at least a large-minded amateur. The wheel is turning. Is it? Um, as I think Dick Cheney said in the 2000 campaign, the wheel yes. is turning. Or, um, I love this one. Uh, this is Yates. All the drop scenes drop at once upon 100,000 stages. And you know what a drop scene is, <laughs> right? Uh, but my f- my favorite one is the great American novel Moby Dick. The universal thump gets passed round. And it uh, looks like the thump is moving, maybe, at least by, by your essay. thumping of Trump to the thumping of Cabe and others
2: you know the old french line is you know the rabbits are hunting the hunters you know i mean the example i've used historically is from the french revolution where robespierre went to get rid of Fouché, and in the end Fouché got rid of robespierre yeah. I mean, if, if they had just left trump alone and not got into this nonsense about collusion and 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 just really uh, tormented him for the last year I think that he would be a kind of, I mean, I'm mind-reading here, but a kind of live-and-let-lit guy. I don't think he came in with any great animus having won the election to do anything other than get on with the job, but he had the magnanimity of the leader. But they have gone to such extreme lengths to try and keep this absolutely implausible canard that that he colluded with a foreign government to rig the result of an American election, which is something that no one, not one single person, ever nominated by a major American political party for the office of president would have done. Not Aaron Burr, not anybody. It, it, It is treason because the U.S. isn't at war with Russia, but it is an absolutely anti-patriotic and, and contemptible act if it were to be committed, and no one ever nominated that office, including some people that were scoundrels and were people that, that, that no serious historical observer uh, would, would have much time for it would do that, and certainly Donald Trump wouldn't, and the whole thing was just bunk from A to, to Z. And they haven't produced a shred of evidence. And in the meantime, the wheels are coming off the wagon in all four directions. And we see that the—I don't want to get too florid here—but we see the FBI at times behaving like the Dirty Tricks Division of the Democratic National Committee, and it's an outrage. Yeah. And the people, when when they finally get focused on it and get past the bigotry in the Victorian sense of just. A bias, not, a, I mean, not with a racial or religious connotation, when they get past the, the, the bias of the of most of the national media, the, they're going to be terribly outraged. And, and in fairness, I think a lot of the national media will come to their senses and realize that this just isn't on. I mean, the FBI and parts of the Justice Department were behaving like partisans they were trying to rig an election.
0: You talked about the collusion. I want to get to obstruction, which still seems to be um, alive, or at least in the mind of uh, the pro- people prosecuting the case against the president. But let's let's get to that in a minute. Let's talk about the ways in which the, the, the arrows are now going back uh, the other way. We have, um, again, most recently we discover, at least according to ABC, that uh, Mr. McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI, was in charge of an investigation of the attorney general uh, in regard to comments uh, in his testimony about uh, talking with the Russians um that's that's the latest but I, I, the important thing it seemed to me is that people didn't focus on was that the, the director of the FBI following the Office of Professional Responsibility at the FBI and the Office of Inspector General agreed and fired McCabe. It wasn't and, and, and was the, the president.
2: And said quite clearly that it, that, it, that it, politics had nothing to do with right. it. It was his decision on that advice. Right. Now, I, in fairness, I, 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 while well, well, the anti-Trump media have barely mentioned that, if at all, it, it has somewhat muted the hue and cry they were starting to put up to the fact that never mind that officially sessions did it obviously he was bullied by trump i mean that was the line they were starting to take right and that seems to have gone quiet yeah i I would have thought i put this to you you wouldn't know better than I. but the uh i would have thought that the revelation if true and obviously anything from abc should be handled with caution subject but if it is true that uh, that mccabe conducted an investigation into sessions performance and the uh, controversial responses he gave on the questions on his confirmation about Russia, uh, and and cleared the attorney general. Uh, doesn't that entitle him to end his recusal?
0: Yeah, one would think. Yes, absolutely, one would think for sure. So we now have this 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 turning this this change change of direction at least on these uh, on these questions. Uh, We await the inspector general's report, which we think we'll we'll see in April. But I gather that uh, some of the evidence against McCabe was produced. By that inspector general, or the same people researching for him, were researching this um, this transgression. Would you agree that the president stepped in it a little bit by making such noise about McCabe that he becomes, of course, the most prominent commentator as the most prominent commentator on the scene on the crime, if you will? It made it easier for the media to say, "Ah, he did it."
2: I, I suppose that is true. I suppose that's true. But uh, just at a human level. It's very hard to understand the frustrations a person would go through having been subjected to the investigation he has for over a year on a totally spurious count. It's like somebody publicly investigating you for a year for, for argument's sake, molesting children. I, I mean, just absolutely not a just a complete fabrication with no basis for it at all, and and this is in the media and in your face every day for over a year. It it, it, it I think we have to catch sure. anyone in that position sure. a little slack. Although I'm sure the president's advisers said okay.
0: that uh, virtual silence would be the best policy yeah no we'll cut him a little slack but we'll, and I cut him a little slack all the time and he repays the favor by taking a lot of slack <laughs> <And> that,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. just what yeah, well, well, he is who he is I mean he's never going to run a cotillion but that's, that's
0: not true. what he's been like your, understatement is not his strength I read the <laughs> I read the draft of your book which will be we'll talk about that more later folks when the, when the book comes out uh, okay uh that is um, Collusion, But now, uh, the two other fronts, obstruction of justice. Um, obviously, they're the uh, the enemies of Trump are hoping this is the way they'll get him. Uh, and it's a funny way, in, in some ways, that, that they're making the case, oh, he better not fire Comey. Because if he fires Comey, that'll prove it. It'll be a proof of obstruction of justice. And uh, it'll be a constitutional crisis. You, you mean if he fires Mueller? Uh, what did I say? Comey. Uh, Mueller. Yes. yes, Mueller. Right. Well, but all I have to hang her hat
2: on now is Comey, and, and that is nonsense. I think everyone can agree right. that he was fired for cause. Everyone agrees that McCabe was fired for cause and not by Trump. And, and uh, I think the Mueller thing is another trap that the president set them. I don't think he has any intention of firing Mueller. Yeah, But, but he's, he's got them to place their bets there So when he doesn't fire Mueller It makes them harder to raise this In any case, extremely fatuous And spurious argument that he's obstructed justice He's done nothing but lie down Like Gulliver and his arrival in Lilliput And cooperate with these people Who've been teeming like,
0: like soldier ants all over Do you think that Mueller is out to get him Or the Mueller team is out to get him They may be two different I- questions and
2: certainly, that Mueller team was okay. what does, I agree with what that. possessed him to put together such a partisan team i don 't know and it shows a terrible insensitivity now i don 't know Mueller and, and certainly he has his admirers, and for the most part even even people that I know who, who who are not Americans, but but were in the security field and dealt with them when he was head of the FBI, uh, generally have a good opinion of him as as an honest, straight man. I have my doubts in this sense that as I wrote in the piece he kindly referred to he was one of the leaders of the, uh, of the sort of avant-garde of the fierce prosecutor throwing all the spaghetti at the wall intimidating yeah, people yeah. Uh, really abusing the plea bargain system where you terrorize people into in effect manufacturing evidence in order to get free of it themselves it's an evil system the way it's conducted I, I, I have no standing to say what his motives are it would require me to mind read a man I've never met but I, I think from assembling the team he did, he might have thought he had a better case than he had. I assume he has the intelligence to realize when he doesn't have a case.
0: Yeah, but there's a difference. Just At a basic level, there's a difference between just a man, if you will, in the totality of his actions, and a man in a certain place, given a certain position. Because the temptation here is not to come up empty-handed. Well, what the hell did you spend all that money on? And then what really uh, baffled me is the same thing you mentioned, Conrad, which is the hiring of this team, which, as far as I can tell without exception, as uh, Democrat contributors to Democrats liberals. Um, you know, lots of uh... well, I mean, look at Strzok. I mean, it was just, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You, you couldn't get more more uh, partisan than that. No, so this uh, surprises me when he when he yeah. saw what Strzok had out there, uh, you know, in the text trail or got into it anyway. He moved him out. So at least he had enough sensitivity to the problem to do that. But you've got to wonder. But I, I, I think where Mueller would have started out as as um, Cox and Jaworski and Walsh and and uh, I guess it was Fisk was the Initial prosecutor in in the Clinton case, um, uh, uh, and Ken Starr, uh, 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 where they might have started out thinking they they really they really could bring down a president who they, in this case, probably didn't approve of, uh, and in most of the cases I mentioned, that would have been true also. Um, unless the man is is not the same person he was 10 years ago, he will now realize that it is much more complicated, and this is not just him going to a shooting gallery. And, And the fact is, he had better be careful, because if he misconducts the position of special counsel, he is going to have surreal problems. And as it is, when things really get going, following the Inspector General's report on the whole Clinton matter, eventually Mueller is going to have to explain, and so is Rosenstein, uh, how they handled right, right, right. the uranium one issue when they prosecuted the Russians and left the the Clinton faction alone. I'm not sure. By the way, that that they won't have an explanation. They're going to have to make the. FBI.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No. Do you think, in light of this uh, the turning part of this uh, people building on this backfiring and all this accruing uh, evidence uh, about the corruption at the FBI, is a call for a second special counsel? Oh Lord, really? Again, do we have to keep doing this? Maybe we do. What do you think? I, I think
2: we do for two reasons. One, I, you obviously cannot trust the Justice Department, including the FBI, uh, to police themselves. It's like a guy signing his own expense account. Uh, Their the, the tendency, quite naturally, the human tendency, is going to be to, to uh, absolutely lean over for the uh, for the people being investigated. Uh, quite contrary to the practice of special counsels going after people not from the justice department and and uh, secondly as the point i tried to make at the very end of the piece you've kind of referred to in the national review that uh, this business of criminalizing political differences yeah. is going to destroy the entire american system I know. if it doesn't stop it's a form of bloodless assassination yeah. uh, you, you just you i don't like that guy he's in our way we don't agree with him in policy terms Let's let's you uh, let's accuse them of crimes and get rid of them, and and uh, and then you set up this system where the person being investigated, no matter how innocent he is of the cause that has been invoked to investigate him, uh, is is tormented as if on a rack for an indefinite period. And these prosecutors, and and prosecutors generally, not just special ones in the United States, um, you know, think they can they can persecute whoever they wish for as long as they like. That's right, and, and that in you know, a word is why you have a 96% success rate. Uh, a 99% success rate, 96% without a trial. That's not what Madison and the others meant right. when, they, when, they, when they wrote the Bill of Rights. I mean, that, that, You know, that's a North Korean level of conviction. And when the, and the government... I say, 5% of the world's people and 25% of their incarcerated people. I mean, this is not what America should be.
0: And when the government comes after you here in the person of Robert Mueller and his team with unlimited resources, I mean, now we're going into tax returns and other records, we're going to find something objectionable. We're going to find something.
2: One, I doubt if we'll get a high crime and misdemeanor. Two... Uh, He's not coming after just anybody, but a a person who can mobilize scores of millions of people in five minutes and is himself an extremely wealthy man anyway. And uh, three, a person who, as far as we can see, they're going to have to go a long way back and get pretty obscure to find anything because the issues on which the council was put in place are, are not yielding anything. And and finally, uh, Mueller's own conduct is not above uh, reproach here. And if he, if he wants to, I mean, if he actually thinks he can stay for an indefinite period, going through the president's entire life to try and find something that he can represent as illegal, uh, in the in the hope or even perhaps in a state of neutrality in his own thinking, whether the Democrats can. Confect and reshape it into a high crime and misdemeanor, and put that one past two thirds of the senators. If that's what he thinks, he is going to have a real, a real sleigh ride. Because in trying to do that, if that's really his motive, and I understand that that you don't want to leave empty handed, I suspect the smart move now, incidentally, would be for him to say, "I'm continuing this in certain areas, but there is no evidence of collusion." An interim report saying the collusion thing. Is, is, a, is a nothing burger.
0: Yeah. What, yeah.
2: what I think get a lot of people out of his back is if he wants to chase Manafort and people like that around for what they did in Ukraine 15 years ago, then, you know, who cares, really? But, but uh, so at least he's got some scalp, if he can get one. But but, but if he just you know, goes like Savonarola to try and burn the president at mm. the stake, he's going to kill himself.
0: Yeah. Uh, now,
2: you see, a, I, a, I
0: guess the, the reaction.
2: But the reaction to this to these impeachment things has become steadily more sophisticated mr nixon uh, there hadn't been discussion of impeachment of a president since andrew johnson he just couldn't believe this could happen to him after his huge victory in 72 right, right and and he and he bundled it uncharacteristically He's had a great sense of self-preservation in all other respects prior to that uh, reagan it was near the you were in the administration was near Well, into his second term, he was a popular president. John Kleindexter took the hit for him, and he just said, I don't recall. I think he said, I don't recall 170 times when he gave evidence. And uh, and Bill Clinton fought it successfully and counterattacked the prosecutor. Uh, In fact, I don't think there was any grounds to impeach him anyway. I don't think there's any grounds to impeach any of them, including Nixon, but that's another issue. But Trump is a rough, tough customer. He didn't have a, obviously, anyone who gets to be president a graduate of the school of hard knocks but donald is more more than almost any of them i mean he he is a rough tough man who made a lot of money in very difficult businesses where the mafia often controlled the building trades unions the municipal politicians were taking bribes all the time even i mean the building we had with them uh, if you wanted to move a refrigerator you had to or Ivan alderman in Chicago, and you know he, he, know, he knows how to deal with that sleazy demi monde, and, and they they have they've got more than they bargained for when they take him.
0: Staying with impeachment, I would bet if the Democrats take the House, they will impeach him. If they possibly well, Nadler is
2: a, is a rabid right,
0: dog, right. And, and and you know you see the Maxine
2: Waters school of justice. Sure, you know uh, we'll, we'll we'll accuse him now and and put the evidence together as we go along. But um, uh, I, I, they would try to. I unless something comes out that actually is damaging to the president, I, I think there would probably be enough sensible Democrats around. That that they wouldn't be able to get a majority to send it to a trial in the Senate. Nadler, I think, would probably get it out of his committee, no
0: matter how spurious it was. But, I, don't uh, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen that. The, well, they they wouldn't get it through the Senate unless they no, no, got a case. No, no, he wouldn't be convicted, but uh, unless there's something we you know just don't know about something well, big. That, that gave Clinton a huge bounce in his popularity. Sure too. it did. Sure it did. But I I've never seen it like this. I mean, I've never seen the intensity of the hatred.
2: Uh, no, him. I, I agree, neither of I, but, yeah. but it, it it's, it just grew and grew. I mean, he attacked the whole system, we, we must say that. He, he, what, well, he yep. attacked the Bushes as much as the Clinton yep. and Obama. Uh, and and you know he denigrated the Republican leaders in the Congress as, as absolutely ineffectual, which basically they were. And and uh, you know he denounced Wall Street, Hollywood, the lobby system, the whole everything, the national media. So you know, you know he won the election, but the war continued. Now he's now got the Republican Party and the Congress pretty much behind him, I think. And so he he is slowly winning. And I uh, but but I agree with you. you know, I mean, all sorts of people. I'm sure with you as with me are. Absolutely rational, intelligent people who simply uh, become babbling lunatics yeah, when yeah. you get to the subject yeah. of the president.
0: I know, I know. What about the women? We got to conclude this. What about the women? Uh, this the latest stuff. I uh, mean, Stormy and all that. Stormy and all and and all that. Yeah. Well, who cares? I mean, look, well, I, I, not I, not about uh, you know being being the Playboy in New York, but about campaign <laughs> funds, extortion, what whatever, buying off. Of,
2: well, well I, I, that, that he had anything to do with physically threatening Stormy, I don't no, believe. That. No, I don't. Either. But the, I mean, that's what her lawyer was saying. But but you know, he he's got an interesting record himself. But the, uh, we got to keep some proportion here. Even FDR in his wheelchair, uh, there's some question about how uh, errant he became uh, in that condition. There's no doubt that before that he, he was someone. Uh, but uh, the JFK and Clinton had the Secret Service delivering squadrons of uh, amenable young ladies to their attention. And and the, the President Clinton uh, was doing indecent things sure. in the Oval Office sure. while on the telephone conducting government business. I mean, we're talking about uh, Trump long before he was president, possibly having relationships, which he denies with with women where there's no suggestion of it having been illegal. It's just a question of propriety, and it was a long time ago. Well, it, look, it, it, Thomas Jefferson had seven children with one of his slaves. I, yeah, but, well, but, what are we going to do? Austin uh, uh, is going to uh, everybody? No,
0: no, but the argument is, not, I don't quite understand the, connect, the, legal, the legal argument here, but they're saying, no, no, it's not about the horse around, it's not about sleeping with women, even when he's married. It's, uh, it, it's about the use of money. Uh, very late in the campaign, Campaign, which can be construed as illegal use of campaign funds.
2: You mean Cohen uh, paying, paying uh, off, pay, yeah, one hundred thirty grand. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's like longer. They're going no place with that turkey. Okay. in the end. Uh, the, the women don't care cuz you know Storm Stormy's not a, a look. Like, I I I rather admire her from what I've seen of her but she is what she is you know she's not an ingenue who's uh, you know got frozen by the headlights here i mean she is what she is and and uh, and, uh and, and most of the men will say well you know who cares i mean my god she looks pretty dishy to me yeah
0: yeah yeah she's not uh, yeah and uh, you know in National Review which i which i like and which your piece appeared and i love uh, Rich Lowry but he said very parallel, parallels situations here with clinton and trump i don't think so i mean no. thre- three main differences one clinton was yeah, yeah,
2: this- rich rich has done an admirable job of leading uh, the uh, highbrow conservatives out of the desert and not many people are following him so far but he- he's done his best but he's
0: backsliding i guess there was a sandstorm and he got turned around yeah, i know i know i know he and i've argued this but uh, th- at least three differences i Clinton was doing this while he was president. Second, she was what 22, barely out of her teens and an intern, almost an employee. And three, he lied under oath. And those are those are pretty big differences it seems well,
2: to well, me. Well, my impression was he didn't quite lie under oath. Uh he got to the edge but oh, not over God. it, but 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 I mean that if, if he did then it would have been an impeachable offense I think. But it, mm-hmm. it it's still nonsense. I mean, uh, you know, it's it, not going yeah, anywhere. It, you not being really a president yeah, the idea of removing a president had nothing to do with what he does his sex life. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, well, we'll see. It's
2: just. Uh, I'm with a consenting yeah. adult. I'm not talking about raping these sure. oh, sure, children.
0: Sure, or sure, sure. Yeah. The question is can we generalize from the, your piece? My last question the anti Trump effort backfires. Backs, it's backfiring in the context of the FBI. And those things but the anti-trump effort continues i think unabated in terms of uh, its uh, its interest its passion its energy its money tom steyer still out there running these ads um, you know for impeaching the president and if the justice department issue doesn't work or the girls issue doesn't work or if collusion doesn't work or obstruction there'll be something else i mean this is uh you know uh, a constant state of siege and one of my friends has said, can this guy hold up? I, I expect he can. I think he's a pretty tough guy. He's a very tough guy.
2: And, yeah. and he, he doesn't even mind it that much. He, it doesn't get on his nerves as much as, as, as it would most people. He, he sort of likes combat and he's used to people ridiculing. I mean, look, he has done a lot of preposterous things and he, you know, he's, he, he, he's a strange combination of a man who's absurdly thin skinned about a few things but has the height of a rhinoceros about other things. If I can add one thought here, I believe for what it's worth that that they have their deal with Kim jong-un and I think that's the takeaway on this finally getting around to the China tariff issue uh, he as he said in an interview with the New York Times he deferred uh, taking a stronger stance on trade balances with China because first things first and North Korea was the biggest was the biggest problem I I, I think you're going to get a deal on North Korea and I think that will make the president a much more respected figure. uh, And and secondly, uh, uh, whatever happens, they're they're not going anywhere with collusion, and they may try and shift the focus to a catch-all thing like uh, obstruction, which is in fact nonsense in this case, but they, they may try anything. I mean, you know, they thought of the Twenty Fifth Amendment. They, they thought of right. uh, the Logan Act. They thought of all sorts of things. That's all nonsense. They're just grasping at straws. But the collapse of collusion and, and the, the absolute rain dance that Trump is going to do about it uh, when it does collapse um, will be very damaging to his opponents. So They'll still hate him just as much, but they won't have the same audience.
0: All right, so what is the saying? The dogs bark, but the caravan moves along. It's approval. That was the governor of the Bank
2: of England. Was it? Sir Montague Norman at mansion house in 1930.
0: Ha! didn't know that. And the (laughs) caravan is moving. His approval ratings are going up despite all this, huh? (laughs) Yeah, and he's inching up all the time. Isn't that amazing? Conrad, thank you very much. Thank you, Bill. All right, that was Conrad Black. I'll post his article on my Facebook and Twitter pages so you can check it out. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Here's Joel Farkas, and we welcome him back to the show. Joel is the director of the American Strategy Group and knows a whole heck of a lot. There's a lot we want to draw on in your experience and knowledge today, Joel. But I want to start with a place you've uh, spent some time in, which is Orange County, California. Uh, interesting what the uh, supervisors did there. They said uh, to Governor Brown and uh, Attorney General Becerra, you want to be a sanctuary state? We're not going to be a sanctuary county. How about that? And what explains that?
3: Well, um, Orange County wants to assert their local control, and they have the right and the ability to do that. And they're in this particular instance, they're focused on protecting Orange County citizens. Orange County's been in the news a little bit in the last few months, not so long ago, dealing with the massive homelessness and poverty problem in the state of California, and uh, been at loggerheads with the state there too, where the Sheriff's Department and the, and the other local governments of Orange County trying to move these tent cities that are just squalid slums with hypodermic needles and feces and, and just a, it's just a disgusting
0: living situation. This is in Orange County?
3: In Orange County, and they were sued to preclude them from, from doing that. This is uh, not the housewives to to of listen.
0: Orange County that a lot of America <laughs> tends to identify with Orange County. They're at the ba- mansions and the pools and the ocean. No,
3: those, uh, that group is really living on the coast. Uh, okay. Orange County, or okay. in the more wealthier areas, but Orange County is quite a large area. Yeah, um, that's really the, the answer to the state of California. There's a few coastal areas that are okay. extraordinarily wealthy, extraordinarily wealthy, and extraordinarily poor too. But uh, there's there's a big divide, a big schism all throughout the state, just like there is throughout the country okay. between this wealthy and poor. But set of Orange issues.
0: County is unlike some other California counties. I'm, I'm guessing. But I think I'm right. Informed guess, I hope. Where there's a split between rich and, and poor, and very rich and very poor, but unlike a, a number of those other California counties, this is a pretty conservative county. So this was a statement of kind of political belief as well, wasn't it, by the supervisors in saying no to that yes,
3: yes, it is. It is more. It is more conservative. I, I hope I can use that term without being lambasted. But uh,
0: not by this audience. It foods. won't happen. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. There certainly are not by issues. me, certainly not by me. <laughs> um, it is a it is a political view.
3: It's a the immigration issue really is much broader. It's it has to do with uh, working and jobs and housing and and all kinds of different views and and that's really where this uh, the schism becomes apparent between the elites and everybody else. The elites are they really that focused on immigration or what are they focused on? Predominantly the elites. In my view, use immigration as a tool to call someone who questions and wants to discuss the subject to tool to tell you that you're racist and you're ignorant and you're some sort of phobic, a series of phobes that... Hillary Clinton is famous for.
0: Um, let me ask you to pause there because are you saying they don't really believe uh, in the sanctuary idea? They don't really have a strong belief that we shouldn't have borders, or is that that's just a means to an end?
3: The easiest way for me to describe what I think the elites are saying is to listen to what they say, to focus on what they research, to focus on what they promote, and primary focus of these elites, and we can talk about who they are, but let me just briefly answer your question now. Urbanization and, and main cities. We heard a little bit of this, and you can still go from former Secretary Clinton. That, right, um,
0: right. The coastal elites, right, versus the yes, re- retarded yes. people in the middle <laughs> of the country, right. She
3: talked about that. She also talked about where, all, where the GDP activity occurs, and, th- and she didn't just come up with that. This is research that's been pushed and promoted by the elites that we'll talk about. The, the focus is that the economic base in the world, not just the country, but throughout the world, is located in big cities, in urban cores, where where knowledge and ideas are exchanged amongst intelligent, intellectual, forward-thinking right. people. Right. I'm not just trying to decipher their their beliefs and their thoughts. There's major, major discussion by uh, professors from. You know UCLA all the way through Berkeley to Brown to MIT to Harvard to Yale to Princeton. This is a, a, a school of thought that they focus on now. There's immigration that
0: obviously. Let well, me can, is can I can I pause pause you there? Yeah. Yes, because uh, yeah. I sent you an article. I don't know if you had a chance to read it. I would, Claude, let's put it up on the site. Um, her very premise that all the wealth is on the coast and blue was challenged by uh, Art Laffer and Steve Moore in a piece that they published in, I think, the Washington Examiner. I uh, saw it last week. But we'll take her at her word that she believes that and, and, we'll, and we'll let people read that article to decide where the facts are. As a friend are. of mine once,
3: once said many years ago, I believe... You
0: believe what you just said. I and believe I you believe have- what you just said. All right. But there's some factual <laughs> problems with what you just said. But that's that's not your point. The point is the strength of the belief here in the global, right? Yes. The strength of the belief. we
3: talked about uh, in the past, there's a difference between middle America and coastal elite America, and that we have those geographic and GDP sort of differences. But it's more insidious than that by the coastal elites. The research and the the discussion that they promote are that the middle America and middle Americans are unnecessary. They're irrelevant to not only American economy, but to American culture. This Mm. is something that Paul Krugman has stated very recently, last couple of months. He questions, is there any purpose for these other areas of the country and other areas of the world. There's another sociologist from either Princeton or Yale, I think, just wrote about the only purpose that these middle American areas have, or smaller cities, rural areas, is for the large metropolitan global cities to extract value out of them, to extract value from them.
0: Kind of like Um, mining communities or something, to take the coal out from them or whatever.
3: Yes. And that some of the other uh, some of the other researchers, uh, their, their conclusions are that the small, more provincial cities are are at the mercy of global cities. So this is this is a very insidious belief. Yeah, that's beyond just one topic of immigration. This is ubiquitous across housing, poverty, income inequality, immigration. That's why I think it's easy to describe the disdain an elite has for someone other than them in that manner
0: can we try once more because i'm just still having trouble seeing it i want to i'm to move on and have this discussion because you, you wrote me a, some fabulous stuff about how you know new york sees itself as more akin to london uh, than to bethlehem pennsylvania which is a extension of what you just said but before we get there if you believe in the global a big city and that that's the only entity that really matters on the coast, as, as Hillary Clinton seemed to suggest, as a lot of these elites argue. How does that lead you to favor illegal immigration? If you favor immigration, people from moving
3: from another country to this country, you can now describe yourself as, uh, as someone with social justice. And the person who wants to question immigration is a racist. It's really that simple. It's a tool to tell the other that you already have disdain for, that their beliefs, this is just a continuation of your ignorant beliefs. I think we saw an article recently describing what Hillary Clinton said. It goes from a factual distinction between where growth occurs to why it is and who you are. You know, when a person in middle America says what they believe, they haven't received a PhD or a Nobel Prize or some other Pulitzer Prize. Therefore it's easy to say they don't know what they're saying.
0: Okay. It's a superior yep. attitude thing. This shows you are of the court better class. It's not for some crude, excuse the word, economic reason like we want to have more illegal so we can have cheaper labor which makes us which makes us wealthier here on the coast. It's not that it's simply that argument. It's 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 a way of showing your superiority to the people in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania.
3: And and yes, and furthermore, I believe it was um, Professor Hacker of of Yale who described um, another professor, uh, Darren Assamig, I believe is how he pronounces his name, from MIT, they both described that when somebody in middle America is complaining and acting on a declining economic situation, that it cannot possibly just be for that reason. It has to be for other reasons, and these other reasons we're talking about so this this notion of saying somebody is wants to change their economic cir- circumstance. Um, it, it's a dismissive view that it's beyond that. It must be beyond that. It cannot be just that reason. It has to be because these people' this is they argument, these people are bad people. and And, and that's what we're really seeing in academics uh, right. research. Today.
0: poor and benighted and uh don't have our what a lovely phrase friend of mine uses advanced attitudes right these these folks in bethlehem pennsylvania tell us then to counter i mean finish your thought but i want to get to so i want to be sure in the interest of time we get to it tell us then how they explain or understand uh and why it may confound them marietta georgia and ames iowa Marietta, Georgia, Ames,
3: Iowa have the distinction of be having some of the lowest unemployment rates in the United States. They're not blue. They they're are. Not coastal. No, they're not. They're not. And they're not big. They're small right. towns. They're not big. And. Same group of people: Paul Krugman, Joseph Stiglitz, uh, Robert Reich. Um, this whole list of economists. You hear continually, America, America is at full employment. If we hire more people, we're going to have you know runaway inflation, and that's what their theory, their, their description of full employment is. But here you have some of the lowest, smallest towns, the lowest unemployment in the United States, and guess what they're doing? Their economy is growing. They're hiring more people, and who are they hiring? They're hiring people that. Pre- previously had been described by economists as disconnected from the workforce. People they never would have thought of being employees. That's what middle Americans are seeing firsthand. Uh, thankfully, they're not listening to the coastal elites we're describing. Thankfully, they're not. This is what it looks like when you have a warring economy in middle America. It looks like Ames, Iowa, uh, which is a small town, hiring more people. I think their unemployment rate is below two percent, one point some percent, and they are still growing and they are still hiring people, and they haven't had runaway prices on the goods and services that they're producing. It's a wonderful example.
0: How, how can they possibly do this without guidance from the coastal elites? There's another economist who had, who is now doing some what
3: he believes is, is current research as to what is the contributor to financial success. And his early research says IQ is fairly de minimis, 1% or 2%. The most important contributor to financial success is what he described as conscientiousness, which is, Alvin Coolidge said in the 1920s, "Persistence and determination." Yeah, that's why. That's how
0: they got um, it. They got it in names, and they got it in Marietta, and they got it in lots of other places in this country. Yes, and this is a, a rebuke to the coastal elites to say
3: that some of the uh, some of the information that. Um, a Nobel economist like Joseph Stiglitz would say is wrong, is hard to do. It's hard to say because I would be it by Washington and L.A. and San Francisco and New York papers. But the easiest thing to do is look at something that Joseph Stiglitz said just within the last decade. He flew down to Caracas, Venezuela, gave a speech while Hugo Chavez was president, and praised the economic policies of minimum uh, income, for the Venezuelan population, for food subsidies, for energy subsidies, and described that this is how an economy should work, to be fair to all citizens. Huh. within the last 10 years.
0: Amazing. It's a basket case now, right? <laughs>
3: it's 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 a failed state people are abandoning venezuela and it's and it's 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 abject poverty you know we hear about danny glover and sean penn going to venezuela and, and and it's kind of a joke that they love to promote that but here we have a nobel laureate which to me is more significant and it's also more instructive to my friends that are in middle america and the middle americans that this is why you should not listen to him this is what he says and furthermore, if you actually looked at what he says about you, you meaning Middle Americans, it's even worse. And that is why I can say, Professor Krugman, Professor Stiglitz, the fellows at Brown University and all throughout these, these, these coastal elite schools, they're just wrong. Yeah. And they the people that I'm talking about, they're not going to listen to me. I would love for Middle Americans to keep being conscientious persistence de- yeah. persistent determined because sure, sure. you're succeeding sure, sure. when you do
0: that the antipathy that these elites feel toward middle america can we call it middle america persistent americans persistent and persevering americans is intensified is it not in the current day present day by the fact that so many of these folks voted for trump i mean this is part part of that <laughs> attitude part of that attitude about you know illegal immigration favoring it is also of a piece with hating Trump and hating, really hating at the end, the people who voted for him. Yes. Um,
3: it's just in their in their world, in their nomenclature. This is yet another example as to why uh, Middle America and Middle Americans are stupid. There's a fellow at Brown University um, who just formed a new course, not only at Brown, but he's pushing it throughout other institutions and universities in the United States, to talk about and research how democracy has failed. And the reason democracy, in his mind, has failed is because president trump is
0: president yeah That's i can right. see the That's course the, reason. Now. the trump uh, the trump presidency colon, why america has failed right yeah exactly yeah. exactly just a sidelight because yeah. this is now you're stepping in my turf this is why i wrote is college worth it i mean I, tucker carlson said this the other night of the show you know if this is the kind of stuff they're peddling at our elite universities you know why in God's name would you spend fifty thousand dollars to send a child there or 60
3: if my children went to Brown University and took this fellow's course I'd demand a refund
0: okay okay
3: <laughs> uh, his name is uh, Robert Robert Blair um, my, and he, how my, democracy failed he, he, he says and he says how it died in Venezuela Russian Poland. Russia, Poland, and Hungary. Those are his examples of where democracy has failed. I don't even know where he comes up with his research.
0: Well, wait a minute. They have failed in those places. I'm not sure they ever had it. Oh, you, but, you mean but, they never but, had a democracy? Uh, oh, you mean the right. They never had it. a democracy. No, of course not. How no. can you fail if oh, you yeah, never had one? No, I was just thinking in recent times. I mean, <laughs> yeah, all right. That wasn't <laughs> democracy that failed, it was something else, it was a dictatorship. Um, yes, well, yes, you know, yes. they I'm do. Kids, ahead. kids do survive. You know my sons, and they used to just—they'd you know, hear this stuff, and they would cheerfully call me up and say, "Another professor attacked you again today, Dad. You know, your name came up again as a bad dude." And <laughs> so, you know, they they, they, they well, survive it as as your children will. I know that a, a bat, badge of honor, a badge, a badge of, of honor. honor. But let's get to the real question, which is you know, which motivates the American Strategy Group, of which you're a, such a critical part. Do these elites, apart from having opinions, they pass along and op eds and 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 whispering in, in the in congressman's ears and testifying and and lecturing to students. These guys and these quotes that you've assembled and I don't know how you do this without getting sick to your stomach assembling all these quotes. <laughs> but but is this a threat an existential threat to America, what these guys believe? No. I'm gonna say
3: no because President Trump was elected and he was elected in the face of what all these men and women have said.
0: It proves to you that their message is not taking. He didn't win by a ton. I mean, he won the electoral votes. He didn't win by a ton. You know, it, touch and go. And a lot of us thought, you know, worried how the election would go. It wasn't like it was overwhelming. It wasn't the greatest electoral victory in history, as he as he, it, it, it was not.
3: My easy answer is I am concerned, but I'm also watching what is go- what is physically occurring in the United States today. We started with immigration. Immigration is a is a mass movement of population, or a movement of population from a foreign country to, in our case, the United States. There's a lot of other people that are moving around, and that is people within the United States. They're moving, and we know where they're moving from. They're moving from these uh, these states like California, and New York, and we know where. They're moving to, which are some of the middle American smaller towns that we've described. That is an unassailable fact. It's not an opinion. It's not a Hillary Clinton opinion. We can talk about why they're moving. Some people will say high-tax states, lower-tax states, housing costs. Jobs, opp- opportunities, things like that. Um, but they are moving, and the fact that in this in the United States we have choices, we have choices at the ballot box, and we have choices every day where we where we choose our jobs and where we uh, where we choose to live. And we're making these choices every single day, and that gives me hope that some of these absurd ideas being promoted um, are not being heard or listened to or cared about. Main Street in America is roaring. Job growth is roaring. Wages are increasing. Those are also measurable facts, and that's what gives me hope.
0: Okay, I think I think that's a great place to end it uh, with you having hope, and uh, I mean I do too. Though uh, though I worry, and of course in our other interview today, we we're talking to Conrad Black, and he talks about you know how Trump has so f- so far defeated all the people who've tried to come after many of the same people you describe, but they're not going to stop. I mean uh, we. We started with collusion, then we go to obstruction, then we go to mental illness, then we go to bimbos, and it'll it'll keep going. Yeah. Look, I'm am I'm, I'm an operational optimist, you know. I let's go, but theoretically, I I mean, I am worried because there are these alien notions abroad in the land, proffered and put forward by some of the quote most respectable close quote people and institutions in the country, and uh, I think they are an existential threat. A threat. I mean, I, I think you'd agree with that if we focusing. I, I, I not, ab- not a fate accompli,
3: it but a It's a danger. I would say it is not it is absolutely a threat and I would also probably say they have the wind at their back in the large, urban, massive cores right, in right. Uh, in, the, in the United States and the world. And, you know, it's interesting. I keep hearing why living in a massive, large urban area is so wonderful. It's more environmentally sensitive. It's more able to provide knowledge and diversity and, and all these other wonderful right, these notions. The, the top 15 cities in the world Today, the largest cities in the world, are many of them are in China, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh. Yeah. Not one of these cities could possibly be described as having no income inequality, having wonderful air quality, having wonderful housing and, and schools and, and, and all the way. I, I just can't imagine why an American would look at that and say, i want to be part of it that is why my hope is that americans who are making who are voting every day by choosing where they move and where they live and where they work is um it will continue um it, it's i'm worried it is we are being threatened but we so far we have the right to make our choices and i hope uh, middle america and middle americans see through these insidious arguments
0: if they do it will be because of the help of people like you. Thank you, Joel Farkas. Thank you, Joel. That was Joel Farkas, director of the American Strategy Group. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett and like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's Podcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week.